Here we go. You're listening to Rumination Tuesday on this April the 18th in the year of our Lord 2023. It is a time when we're going to listen to a hymn and help explain what the hymn has to say with myself, Tom Baker, and Mark Smith. And the hymn is, With High Delight, Let Us Unite. Unite was written by George Vetter. It was first published in 1566, a year before the author's ordination to the priesthood. Now, the hymn that we just heard has three verses, but the original hymn was 13 stanzas long and featured an acrostic with each of the 13 letters in the phrase, Mediator Jesus, a reflection perhaps of Hebrews 9, verse 15, where Jesus is said to be the mediator of a new covenant. Now, the translation was by a professor I had, Martin Franzman. He died in 1976, and it first appeared in the Missouri Synod's Worship Supplement of 1969. It is a hymn with exuberant joy of the resurrection, expressed with dignity and elegance, with the Jerusalem of Isaiah 52 
Christians are invited to break forth into singing because Jesus is our salvation. Who are the pure in heart invited to take their part? They are those set free from sin and death through faith in the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ, meant for every nation and people on earth. This is a hymn in the three-year series for Easter 3, the third Sunday after Easter. And in the one-year series for Easter 4. So, with high delight, let us unite. And I'm Tom Baker, and with me is Pastor Mark Smith. What do you say about this hymn, Pastor Smith? Uh, it's a beautiful hymn, Tom. Just like so many of Martin Franzman's, uh, they're all they're all great. Uh, I think this one. It's too bad we didn't have how many uh, stanzas did you say? Thirteen stanzas 13 in the original of one. Them. Yep. Boy, it's too bad. Uh, you know, this only has three. Too bad we don't have some of those. I'd like to see how some of those uh, were worded. Oh, yes. Yeah, they are available, but for our purposes, we only have the three. What what would be na- nice about the 13, we can easily fill a half hour of that, isn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you know, three, three is just a little bit short. To me, it's such a beautiful hymn, you know, and it's a strong mission emphasis. I don't know if you noticed that. Uh, our our, uh, our mission emphasis, especially in the wake of Easter, the yes. good news of Easter. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. And so without further ado, would you please read the first stanza? Gladly. With high delight, let us unite in songs of great jubilation. Ye pure in heart, all bear your part. Sing Jesus Christ, our salvation. To set us free forever, he is risen and sends to all earth's ends. Good news to save every nation. What Martin Franzman does is he puts a rhyming scheme in this which is really interesting, has different words rhyming. And in my hymnal, I I put down, you know, he talks about jubilation, then he talks about salvation. And I got thinking about how many shuns are in Christianity. It's creation, consolation, redemption, sanctification, resurrection, and and the list just goes on, even and don't sanctification. And forget, don't forget the end of that first stanza, every nation. Yes, every nation. So that's something that there are some Christians who don't agree with. Why don't they agree that, that good news is for every nation? I can't imagine. It's it's wonderful news, and it's right in line with the Great Commission: go and make disciples of all nations. Why yep. would they Why would they not like that? Well, remember what the Reform do. They really believe that Jesus only died for the righteous, 
for believers. Well, he died for all. He died exactly. for all. The whole world. Even those even those who finally who he knows will finally reject him. He even died for them. This is really important. We talk about this a lot. This distinction that if you would explain it between objective and subjective justification. Yeah. Objective justification is the truth that Jesus died for all, the whole world, to atone for the sins of the whole world. Even, as I said, even those who who finally, through unbelief, will reject him. He he died for them, too. The, The whole world, nobody is left out. Even the dastardly scoundrels of history are are included in that uh, in that justification. But uh, as you and I know, uh, even though he died for all, only and 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 the the gift of salvation is extended to all, but only those who by grace receive it through faith, only those are finally saved. Yes, and that's subject to justification. There subject. is a pastor uh, on the radio that I've listened to, and he believes Jesus only died for the elect. This kind of follows oh, certain theologians, even at the time of Luther, uh, who, who was the one who believed in double inheritance in the sense that God has decided who's going to heaven and who's going to hell. Double predestination. John Calvin. Calvin. Yes, very. Yes. And that's his explanation of why some aren't saved, because God already made the decision for them rather than, you know, if I believed that, I want to be a pastor. Because why would you be a pastor if God has already chosen those who are saved in the sense that he's also chosen those who are damned. It's just a waste of time then talking right. to anyone because they're already saved or they're already damned. And, and that's just right. not a proper biblical theology. Yeah, that's right. No, we, but, the problem with Calvin, these, these, these guys, they try to answer that uh, question, why some people are saved and not others. That's an unanswerable question. We, you know, Scripture does not give us the answer. Uh, all we know is that God would have all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth in Jesus Christ. But uh, why some people are saved and not others, we we just don't know the answer. But we're given the we're given the great commission to go and make disciples of all nations. We uh, God wants us to reach out to all people with the gospel, the law and the gospel. Well said. Well said. Yes. In fact, it's very important to understand that. It's why we therefore baptize infants, because the sacrament of holy baptism brings faith and the gift of the forgiveness of sins, even to an infant who is being baptized, because that's That's what God promises uh, in Peter's sermon at Pentecost. And so... You know, there are a lot of unanswered questions that are unanswered because for Lutherans, we have to find an answer in the Bible. And if there is no answer in the Bible, then we leave it up 
to God and wait until Judgment Day and in heaven, and perhaps we'll get an answer there. Uh, I'll give you one that I always use. In the Old Testament, how were little boys brought into the kingdom of God? Through circumcision. And how were little girls? By grace. That's right. Through faith. There is no answer. The Bible doesn't. As to why little girls are saved. No. Yeah. But we know they are saved because they're considered to be part of the people of Israel, even the little girls. So, baby infants who are female, they're brought into the kingdom, but we don't know how. Yeah. In contrast to the little boys who experience circumcision. And, And so, what is the new circumcision in the New Testament? A baptism, of course. In fact, in fact, the comfort why infant baptism is so wonderful is that we can be absolutely certain once that child is baptized, even though he can't verbalize his faith, uh, we know that that little child is brought up to the uh, baptismal font, perhaps an unbeliever, as far as we know, but when he is carried home with by his parents from that baptismal font, he is a believer in Jesus Christ. He is a believing child of God and an heir of heaven. And, of course, it's important that he's nurtured and raised in the faith because, uh, uh, you know, we don't know how long that baptismal grace will last. He's got to, he's got to continue to be fed the gospel and nurtured in the faith. But at least for the time being, that little infant is a believing child of God and heir of heaven. Ab- we can be absolutely certain of that on God's promise. I always like asking mothers who just gave birth after a week, does your baby trust you? And the answer always is yes. When I hold, feed, etc., I know the baby has trust in me. So if the baby with one week old trusts the mother, there's no doubt that God can bring faith and trust to the baby, even though we are unaware of it from a human point of view. That's right. That's right. A little baby has faith. In fact, yep. Jesus talks about these little ones. Don't offend these little ones that believe in me, he says. Yes. Yes. So baptism is really important. It's the only way we can be assured a baby has salvation. But often I'll have parents whose baby died before he or she was baptized. And they asked me, uh, is that baby going to heaven or hell? And I say, I cannot answer that question, but God has an answer to it. And when you get to heaven, you will be in total bliss, regardless of the answer. And so... I assume a number of times that uh, a baby is saved, but we just don't have a Bible verse to back it up. Yeah, we are bound to the word and sacraments. We ourselves are bound, but God himself is not bound. Well, he's bound once he says it, 
but he knows more. In, in yeah. other words, we have boundaries, and only the Bible, you know, tells us what we are able to know. But God's boundaries are much larger because That's he, right. one of his attributes is he knows all things. That's right. All right, I'll read stanza two. True God, he first from death has burst forth into life, all subduing. His enemy, my doth vanquished lie. His death has been death's undoing. And yours shall be like victory over death and grave. Seth, he who gave his life for us, life renewing. So what in this verse strikes you as really unique? I like, well, I, I like the first, the first line, from death has burst forth into life all subduing. I think, you know, that the picture that, that summons up for me is all those, uh, those, uh, the Roman soldiers that were guarding the tomb, how they they were struck dumb like dead men. They just kind of, yes. w- when that angel came down and rolled the stone away, they were just stunned as as deaf men. They're described, and uh, he uh, he burst forth into life. You know, he did he didn't have to have that stone rolled away. He could pass right through the walls of that tomb and probably did. Um, his enemy. Doth vanquish lie? His Who death is his enemy? Been, his enemy? Well, of course, sin, death, and, and the devil. I think the enemy here specifically is death. His enemy doth vanquish lie. His death. Here's, here's a beautiful way of saying it. His death has been death's undoing. Je- Christ Jesus' death has been the enemy death's undoing. It's 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 kind of neat the way uh, Franzman says that. What what does he mean by that? How is well, death's undoing? He's conquered death. Christ has conquered. It is finished. And uh, yes, we we do not. You know, when we when I our eyes fall asleep in death on this earth, we open them. We open them with our Lord Jesus in paradise. It's interesting, the next phrase is in quotation marks. And yours shall be like victory over death and grave. Right. Who's saying that? Uh, let's see. Who is saying that? Uh, the same one that says his enemy doth vanquish lie. Um What's after the word grave? Or death and grave. Saith, oh yeah, you're right. Saith he who gave his life for us. Yeah, Jesus himself is saying that. Yes. And, and you shall be what... like victory over death and the grave. Jesus is saying that to us, right. And that is a promise. There's no law in that that we have to obey in order that death and grave 
is no longer necessary for an eternal death. It's, as you said, at the very moment we die, our spirit goes to be with Jesus in heaven. As Jesus said to Martha, you know, he that believes in me shall never die. That's right. And then on judgment day, guess what? Our bodies are restored to our spirits. Our bodies too, yes. And uh, let's see, what else was I going to say there? Uh, I can't remember. Maybe it'll come to me. But it's a uh, it's a beautiful well, it says, beautiful stand. His life for us, life renewing. You see, you can be walking around the earth and still be dead, like the unbelieving Pharisees were. They were dead men. Right. Jesus says, "I am the way, the truth, and the life." Yes. No man. No one. No comes man cometh to the, to the Father. Father but by me. Exactly. That's right. That's right. And, and and listen to this, Tom. His life for us, life renewing. Uh, that's part of that mission emphasis. Uh, yes. The, the, the message that we have of his resurrection is also renewing for others. We want to take it to all nations. In, in other words, once we have been baptized, received faith, we're really, in a sense, back in the Garden of Eden. That's right. The it, angel that guards the gate no more. Sin. The angel right. guards the gate some more, no more as we sing in another hymn. All right, stanza three, please. Okay. Let praises ring, give thanks, and bring to Christ our Lord adoration. His honor speed by word and deed to every land, every nation. So shall his love give us above from misery and death set free all joy and full consolation. So when do we receive that freedom from misery and have joy and full consolation. Actually, with our baptism. Very good. We and don't it's renewed have to with wait us till we get right. to heaven. And it's also renewed with us, I would say, in the Lord's Supper, too. Yes, well said. And with every gospel message. Yes, when you read God's Word, you're really reading what Jesus is informing you about, because Christianity is a revealed religion, unlike every other religion in the world that is from the natural reason of man. And so we can't use natural reason to help someone. In fact, do you know what the gospel is for this Sunday? It's the road to Emmaus. Oh, wow. That great Bible study. Probably the greatest Bible study ever done. Yeah. And why why do you say that? Well, because it 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 tells us that Jesus opened the scriptures. He in that in that walk when he met those two disciples on that way to Emmaus, he opened the scriptures to them. And you know, I, I, did he leave anything out? I just wonder if he went through all. I pro- probably he probably didn't cover it all because 
you wouldn't have time because the whole scriptures are about him. And but he opened the scriptures to help them understand all this, the the cross, uh, the resurrection. All this was revealed in Holy Scripture, and he opens the scriptures to them and helps them to see that for themselves. And remember what they said at the end of the at the after Jesus had vanished before their eyes. He said, "Didn't our hearts burn within us as he opened the scriptures to us?" And that's before they recognized it was Jesus. Right, right, that's right. Because their the promises, eyes were hid, it says. Yeah, the promises themselves burned within them, yes. And, and that's how we do witnessing, by just explaining the promises of Scripture from Genesis 3.15 through the end of Malachi that are all fulfilled in Christ Jesus. That's right. Over 300 prophecies were fulfilled in his, uh, in his, in his ministry alone. Yeah. Yeah, we have a booklet that we have produced. If anyone's interested in receiving it, just email us at lawandgospel at lawandgospel101.com. And we'll give you information about how you can receive that booklet. And you are right. It had to be a kind of a, a short Bible study because Emmaus is said to be only seven miles from Jerusalem. And yeah. they had walked part way before Jesus showed up and drew near and, and went with them. But what a Bible study that must have been. Yes. Yeah, Jesus starts off like Paul does in Galatians. Oh, foolish ones, and yeah. slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. And then he says, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory. So I'll be preaching about that on this Sunday. And I want to thank you, Mark Smith, for helping us with a hymn that you also enjoy. With high delight, let us unite. And it's going to be one of the hymns that we sing in our worship service. So we look forward to being back with you, God willing, next Tuesday for the hymn for that day. Until then, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your checkout to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.